Welcome to the New Life Philly podcast. Every week, we share fresh insights as we explore the inexhaustible depths of the Word of God. We pray that you will be encouraged and challenged today as we continue in our study. Let's join in now. To the word for today, let me introduce it this way. On November 27th, 1941, 11 days before the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor and brought the U.S. into World War II, a warning was sent from Harold Stark, who was the chief of naval operations in Washington, D.C. The warning went out to all U.S. Navy outposts in the Pacific, and it read as follows. This dispatch is to, be cons- is to be considered a war warning. Negotiations with Japan looking towards the stabilization of conditions in the Pacific have ceased, and an aggressive move by Japan is expected within the next few days. The number and equipment of Japanese troops and the organization of naval task forces indicates an amphibious expedition against either the Philippines, Thai, or Cray Peninsula, or possibly Borneo, execute an appropriate defensive deployment preparatory to carrying out all the tasks assigned. The warning was effectively ignored by the largest fleet in the Pacific at Pearl Harbor. Now, on the morning of December 7th, 1941, two Army privates, 19-year-old Joe Lockhart from Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and 23-year-old George Elliott from Chicago were at their post watching the radar in the Pacific when they saw the largest fleet of planes that they had ever seen in all of their time doing the radar reconnaissance. When they contacted the Army Information Center, they were told to forget about it. A few minutes later, it would be impossible to forget about it. Missing the warnings, missing The message of the imminent invasion of Pearl Harbor cost at that time over 2,400 lives, cost over 300 aircraft, over 20 American naval vessels, including eight battleships. It was a devastating surprise attack that should not have been a surprise if We were just listening correctly. Now, as devastating as that attack was, there's even a greater threat to all of us and to anyone in this world that can come as a result of not listening well. In Mark's gospel today, we're going to see how Jesus appeals to us to listen and listen well. Jesus will be revealing the of the kingdom of God through parables. And we'll see in this gospel passage just how critical it is that we give our full attention to the words of Jesus. So let's stand together as we do. And we're going to do a little bit differently today. We're going to read this passage. This is from the NIV. And you can see that some of the words are bold. I want you all to read the words that are in bold. I will read the words that are not in bold. And then the last two verses we'll do, we'll all read them together. Now, this is going to be recorded. So you've got to act like you want to be heard on the recording. Amen? So let's read robustly and loud and to the glory of our king. So let me start out. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden 
is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. I'm hearing y'all. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters a seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. Y'all are good at this. Verse 30. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Now let's read together. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. My title today is real simple. Are you listening? Are you listening? Remain standing for just a moment. That's the title. And the main idea today is, is this. God reveals his kingdom truth to everyone who's really listening to him. Let me pray. Father, Give us ears not only today, but give us ears, give us hearts, give us desire, give us passions to really hear what you want to communicate to us. Lord, our desire is to be fruitful vessels for your glorious good work in this world. So we pray, oh God, that you would use this time now through your word, by your spirit, and even through my faltering lips, O God, that you would communicate your word to us, that we would be even better equipped to be vessels of glory in this needy world. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. There's four principles that I'm going to talk about today as we walk through this passage. And so I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. And at the end, I'll tell you what I told you. That's one method of preaching. But uh, four kingdom principles. The first is this, every hidden secret is meant to be revealed. We'll look at that. And then secondly, the one who listens closely to God will be richly rewarded By God. Number three, nothing can stop God's kingdom. Someone ought to get happy right there. Amen. And and number four is this God's kingdom starts small, but in the end, it overtakes everything. Amen. God will not be stopped. Amen. That's good news. That's gospel news. So let's jump into the first kingdom principle here. Kingdom principle one, every hidden secret is meant to be revealed. Verse 21 starts by saying, he said to them, do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. 
Jesus is beginning here to let us know the very heart of God that he wants people, he wants image bearers to understand and know the truth of this word, the gospel. This is the heart of God being revealed to the people of God. Now, we've talked a lot as we've walked through Mark's gospel about this concept of the messianic secret, right? Jesus telling uh, some of those he heals and telling the demons, don't tell anyone who I am. Hold off on that. Don't tell them. Be quiet. We see that through Mark's gospel. And this idea of the secrets of the kingdom is in the gospel. But right here and in many other places, Jesus makes it plain that these things are a secret for a little while but I'm about to bust this world wide open and let everybody know what I'm doing in this world. This is the good news of the kingdom. Now, there, were this, this, there was this idea in the first century in Palestine and in the Roman Empire, many religions that, that had uh, uh, secrets. They were mystery religions, and you had to be initiated into that religion to get the secrets of their kingdom message. That was all over the place, and really, that's often the way human nature is. We want to be on the inside, don't we? We want to be on the in crowd. So, so we may join organizations or, and be a part of different things where we're, we're the select, we're the few, we're the proud, we're the ones who have this specific message. No one else has it. Our group has it. We're different. We're distinct. We're better. But Jesus says, nah, that's not my way. I'm going to bust this thing wide open and I want everyone to hear that. I'm not doing it like that. Some of y'all may remember to your glory or your shame a, 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 a show years ago in the 90s called In Living Color. And, and in that show, there was a certain clown. You may remember Homie the Clown. And Homie the Clown was not a joke. You didn't want to mess with Homie the Clown. And when you did something that Homie the Clown didn't like, he would say, Homie, don't play that. Jesus is saying to those who would want to keep the the kingdom of God secret, keep it just for a select few, just over here or just over here. He's saying, I don't play that. My message, my gospel, my secrets, which were once hidden, are now being manifested to all. That's the God that we serve. That is the heart of God. When we act as if God is trying to keep his word secret from people, we misrepresent the Lord of the universe. We misrepresent him. So the word will go out. In in just a little while, after these words are written, Jesus is going to send out his disciples two by two. And, And with the coming of Pentecost and the birth of the church, the gospel message goes to every crack and crevice of this world. God is getting out his message. How does he do that? He does that, first of all, through sent ones, through those who understand that they have been blessed by God to share that blessing with others and that were sent to proclaim this world. He does it through Christ followers. If we're following Jesus, we can't help but do what Jesus did and give the good news to those whom he puts in our lives. It goes through every single disciple who's been blessed by the amazing grace of God. Jesus is letting us know that the gospel is not given to be put under a bowl, but to be shared with every person. So in light of that, how do we today orient our lives around making the gospel known. Let me give you three quick thoughts on that. First, it means understanding that the primary reason for your existence is to give glory to the king of the universe 
by being a living witness to the resurrected Christ. We've got to understand and get that in our heads. That's why I'm here. What a glory that it's not to have this car or this house or this thing or to have my life so together that everyone wishes they were me. No, that's not it. It is to give glory to the king, the creator, the redeemer of all things. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. Secondly, it means that you encounter that every person you will ever encounter in this world is an image bearer of the living God. And you live like that. You understand that. And you, you give glory to God and, and you encounter people, whatever their state, whatever their condition, you encounter them as image bearers in desperate need of relationship with the living God. And thirdly, it means that you conduct your life in such a way that you are consistently pointing people to the love of God. This is what our calling is. This is what it's about, that this secret that's hidden is to be revealed. God wants to reveal it through you, through me, through his church, a real picture, an honest picture, a right picture of the God who has died, has risen, and is coming again. The second principle is closely related to the first one. So I want to look at kingdom principle number two. Kingdom principle number two. The one who listens closely to God will be richly rewarded by God. Now you see, what I did here is put the NLT, New Living Translation, next to the NIV because I think that the NLT uh, here does a really, really good job of bringing out the meaning of the text. Let's walk through it and I'll show you what I mean. NIV says, consider carefully what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. NLT says, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. So it's basically the very same at the beginning. But then he says, uh, the closer you listen, where it says in NIV, with the measure you use, the closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And then both of them say, you'll receive even more. Look at verse 25. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Maybe some of you have read that like I have in in the past and been a little bit disturbed by that, right? That seems like the way of the world. That seems like capitalism run amok, right? The more you've got, the more you're going to get. And if you don't have it, even what you have is going to be taken away from you. But we've got to understand the words of Scripture in the context in which they're given. This entire chapter of Mark's gospel, which uh, Pastor Tim started preaching last week in the parable of the sower, is about God's gift of his word and the effect that that has on people. And so this whole thing is about the the word of God, the one who he wants to make, the the secret that he wants to make clear to everyone. So when the NLT says to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. He's talking about this reality that the measure he's speaking of in verse 24 is how we're listening to the word of God. He wants us to be precise to pay attention, not not to be nonchalant in how we think about the things of God because he is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. And so you see this principle here that those who listen attentively, who pay attention, Close attention, the New Living Translation says, to what we hear. He says, the closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. The invitation is right there for all of us. God is saying, 
pay close attention and I'm going to give you more. But, but here you go. This is more than just reciprocity. If, if, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. It's more than that. He says, not only if you listen close, will I, I give you more understanding, but, but he says, but you'll receive even more. Do you see the extravagance there? Do you see God saying, I'm not just going to give you according to what you've deserved because you've listened real hard, so I'm going to give you this much. He says, nah, if you do that, I'm going to give you even more. I'm going to pour out my blessing. I'm going to pour out my revelation, understanding you're going to know me well. That's the promise of God here. God is a much more giver. Amen? Tell someone God is a much more giver. Tell someone that. God's extravagant in his giving. The God of the Bible, the one true living triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is just waiting to pour out abundantly on his people, on everyone who will tune in to what he's saying. God wants us to know. This much more in this verse mirrors the much more in Romans chapter 5. Many of you love the book of Romans like I do, but that, that book of the Bible walks us through the gospel in a powerful way. And it lays out in the first few chapters just how bad this sin predicament is. It is, in the words of a famous person who I don't know their name, a hot mess. Amen. The, the sin predicament we're in is a hot mess. And it started with two people, Adam and Eve. Brothers and sisters, our first parents, Adam and Eve, threw everybody under the bus by their sin. Amen. We're still feeling the effects of it today. And we can sin in all kind of creative ways, in all kind of sneaky ways, in all kind of crazy ways. But sin has entered the world and death enters the world through sin. And ultimately what that death is, is not just physically having your heart stop beating or your brain stop working. Ultimately what death is in the scripture is a separation from God. That is death. So what does our much more God do in response to the increase and the prevalence of sin and, and the wildness of sin and the everywhereness of sin? What does our God do? Look at Romans 5 verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more? Somebody say, how much more? How much more did the grace of God, the grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Overflowing grace. Sin was great, but grace was greater magnified greater it's not close the gift of Jesus overflows to everyone who's paying attention who's listening that's what Jesus is teaching in this parable the kingdom is revealed to everyone with an ear to hear verse 24 says it this way Pay close attention to what you hear. This is God's call. But if we'll be honest, think about this for a minute. Pay close attention, Jesus is saying, to what you hear. But often we're just too busy, aren't we? Often it's quiet in here. We're, we're too distracted. And if we'll be honest... Often we're way too self-centered to, to pay that close of attention to God. Let's be real. Jesus is telling us, read these words. These are difficult words that if you're not paying close attention, you will miss it. And missing it is tragic here. Sobering. In fact, 
That's the warning of verse 25. If you're not listening, then even the little bit that you think you have, he says, can be taken away from you. Let me give you an example. This is why I think sometimes a little bit of Christianity is a dangerous thing. A little bit of Bible, a little bit of Bible study, a little bit of this is a dangerous thing because it can make us think we're something that we are not. we got to be careful. Um, let me give you this, this example of a fictional couple. I'll call them Stan and Melinda. Stan and Melinda married for decades and they've had a rough relationship at times they've got a long love story decades of of marriage but it's been sprinkled with a lot of hurt a lot of pain a a, a lot of sin against each other it's been messy y'all Now, I'm talking about a fictional couple, Stan and Melinda, but if we get real, anyone that's been married a while knows what I'm talking about. It's messy sometimes. It's difficult sometimes. But here you go. Stan is a believer, always has been. He's been in the church from a child. He, He goes to church. He is a church guy. Stan, uh, is He's always been there his entire life, and he's about church stuff. Melinda's not in the church at all. Melinda doesn't pretend to be a Christian. Melinda is doing her own thing. She's not walking with the Lord, and she knows that. But here's the interesting thing. Melinda, the unbeliever, sees her fault that she's played in the marriage and is willing to admit her need for forgiveness. But Stan can't do that. Because Stan got a little bit of Bible. (laughs) Stan's got a little bit of Christianity, and Stan holds on to how she has wronged him, and she is the one who started it. She wronged me first. And it was bad, y'all. But Stan holds on to his own righteousness, his church righteousness, his I read the Bible sometimes righteousness. He says, I I, I go to life group every now and again righteousness. But if Stan was listening to God, he would hear that forgiving his wife is not an optional thing. He would understand that the forgiveness that he's been given by the perfect and holy God of the universe towards his imperfect and unholy self is that forgiveness that he needs to offer to others, especially his wife. If Stan was listening to God and willing to obey him, he would receive the grace that he otherwise doesn't have to actually live out that forgiveness for his wife. But Stan says, no, God's on my side. The Bible's on my side. But here's the truth of the matter is that none of that's on his side. God is a God who calls him to forgive. Verse 25, Stan becomes an example of this. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. See, Stan might be going to to church. Stan might be reading his Bible. He may even memorize some scriptures. Stan may be doing all of that, but Stan is not listening to God. Because that bears itself out in our lives. This is tragic, but it's common. Lord, help us. Help us to listen to your voice. How can we do that? How can we listen 
to the voice of God. Let me give you a couple thoughts on that. First of all, we need to stay in the word of God. Amen. When I talk about how we can do that and, and, and still not be listening to God, that doesn't mean we don't need to do that. We need to stay in this word. We need to, we need to uh, meditate on the word of God. We need to let it sink into our soul. The Holy Spirit works with the word of God to change those who will really listen. We need to be listeners. But here's another piece that, that, that we need to do. And I want you to check this out. How do you listen closely to God? You live in community with actual accountability to other growing believers. Let me stop there for a second. Actual accountability. I, I, I've seen a whole lot of accountability groups that aren't really accountability groups because there's no accountability. There's just a, a mourning together about how hard this is and how poorly we're doing at this Christian life. There's no idea of real accountability, of pushing one another, of, of helping one another along the way, of calling one another to account. Brothers and sisters, the scripture says in Proverbs 27, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. In other words, when we love one another, we will sometimes get in each other's grill and challenge one another in a loving way, in a way that, that, that fits with our relationship, right? I'm not coming out on someone I don't know, but someone who knows that I love them, who knows that I'm committed to them, and I see them walking in a way that is going to be detrimental to them and bring shame. Uh, Shame rather than glory to God. I'm going to step to you and love you enough to tell you the hard truth regardless of what you're going to think about me. That's love. That's Christian community. And it says, growing believers who encourage and support you in living for Jesus and who lovingly let you know when you're dishonoring God with your life and decisions. That is so un-American, isn't it? <laughs> because we're individualists. I don't need the collective community. But let me tell you, the Christian reality is none of us make it well in the Christian life without the support and help of the community of, of believers, the saints of God, the gathered ones, the ecclesia that come together and help us along the way. We need that desperately. Here's what I want you to see. Your listening to God is not just an individual project, but it is a community way of life. I've heard that from Pastor Tim many times as he talks about the, the decision-making process that Christians have where we make our decision and then we just, on, on huge things in life, and just let the Christian community know what we're doing now. We're, we're not looking for discernment. We're not looking for help. It's just me and God, no help from the outside, but there's a different way of community here. And God calls this uh, hearing his voice is a community project. Let's look at the third principle here. The third principle, nothing can stop God's kingdom. Amen? Nothing can stop God's kingdom. Verse 26 says it this way. He also says that this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Verse 28 all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. This is good stuff. The reality that God's kingdom will come, that his will will be done, is a done deal. The kingdom has come and nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing will stop it. That's good news. Let, let, let me give you a, 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 some insight into how to understand parables. There's a principle when you read parables that if there's something that stands out in the parable 
as not being normal or as unexpected, you need to pay special attention to that thing in order to better understand the parable. So how does that work out in this parable? I'm glad you asked. In this parable, we see something very normal happening. The farmer is sowing seed. That is what farmers do. There's nothing extraordinary about that. However, the parable emphasizes that the growth of the seeds happens without any intervention from the farmer. He just goes on about life, and then one day it's harvest time. Now, now that's partially true. There's a mystery to how things grow and what's happening in the ground and how it's producing this fruit or, or this vegetable, whatever it is. There's a mystery there. But anyone who's ever tilled the soil to grow something knows that there's more to it than that. And in an agrarian society that, that lived off of the food, not from Wegmans or ShopRite or my favorite Save-A-Lot, but they lived from from the food that they produced themselves, they knew that there was much more to it than simply putting some seeds in the ground and six months later harvesting. There's much more to it. There's at least three things that need to be happening. First of all, that needs to be watered rightly. It needs to get the right amount of water as a seed and as it grows. Secondly, it needs fertilizer. It needs something in the ground and around it that's going to help it maximize the nutrition that it can get so that you can have a fruitful harvest. And thirdly, there are weeds that are constantly coming and constantly growing and taking away the precious nutrients and the water from the soil. And so if you want a rich harvest, you You've got to take out those weeds. You've got to be diligent about it. You've got to be vigilant about those weeds. And after all of that, you can expect then a bountiful harvest. But Jesus isn't talking simply about a harvest of fruit or vegetables. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And he is saying this. The kingdom of God and the reality of the fullness of the coming of his kingdom doesn't depend on your effort. It doesn't depend on your diligence. God will do it all by himself. If you're not doing your part, God will raise up someone else, something else to do that part. God is saying that my kingdom is not dependent on faulty human beings. My kingdom will be established in the earth. The kingdom has everything it needs already right in the seed. The water is there, the water of the word. The fertilizer is there, and the weeding is being done all the time. J just look at this. Uh, one day, Jesus' physical body was sown into the ground. But on the third day, the Bible says, he got up from the grave with all power in his hands. What does he do after he gets up, talks with his disciples? Uh, eventually, 40 days later, he ascends into heaven. And then what does he do? He pours out the Holy Spirit on the church. Listen, that's all the water you need. That's all the miracle grow fertilizer you ever need in the Holy Spirit. He pours out everything that's necessary. And one day he's coming back again and he's going to look at that harvest and say, look what I done done. Amen. The harvest is coming. Let me ask you this, because this is good news. As believers in Christ, we have reason to be optimistic about what God will do. But, but I think too many times we live with a dire pessimism. And God is saying, my kingdom is coming. I understand that kind of pessimism. So do you. We look at this world and the mess that it's in. We may look at things in our own families, in this world, in politics, in economics, 
health situations. We can look at so many things in this world and say, God, is your kingdom ever going to come? I don't see it happening. But here's what I want you to understand. A failure to recognize the signs of the incoming kingdom of God all around us leads to a weak, anemic, faithless, and unfruitful life. Hebrews 11.6 puts it this way, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Y'all, we got to believe God for some things. We have to believe that God will do what he said he would do regardless of what I see, regardless of what I feel, regardless of what I read or watch. I believe God will do what he said he would do. That's faith. Let me give you a story of a young woman, a Chinese woman who was imprisoned a few years ago, Li Chengju. And she was jailed because of her faith in Jesus Christ and becoming a member of a church that wasn't a church sanctioned by the Chinese government. There's an article in the Los Angeles Times in 2020. I'm going to read a piece of it here quickly. It says, Li Chengju glared at her prison interrogator as he passed her to renounce, as he pressed her to renounce her Christian church and to condemn her pastor. Her captor warned that she would not be so lucky as her pastor, who was locked in a secret detention, but at least might get a day in court. Look at you. You sweep the floors of your church, the interrogator said. You think You're getting a trial like your pastor? You don't qualify. Lee still refused to sign the document disowning her church. I'm a citizen who has faith, she said to her interrogator. God knows everything you are doing and he will judge you one day. Can you imagine the courage of this woman in the face of terror, in the face of power, in the face of imprisonment, in the face of of being tortured, possibly even in the face of death. But she says, my God is able. That's faith, brothers and sisters. That's believing that God will do what he said he would do. Even if I don't see it in my life, that's not what matters. My God is able. That's the faith of this woman. Remarkable faith. Let me move on to the final uh, principle here. The final kingdom principle. God's kingdom starts small. But in the end, it overtakes everything. Verse 30. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted... It grows to become the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Jesus here, as he does often in parables, uses something that the people he's speaking to can really relate to. It was, there was a parable uh, about the mustard seed. It, 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 was, it, it was a proverb in, in Israel, how small this seed is, but how great the, the, the bush grows from it. And, and these seeds, black mustard seeds, would grow into the biggest plant in the garden, sometimes 10 feet high, and birds would come in, in, in into its nest. The smallest of seeds becomes the largest of plants. And Jesus wants us to see that this is what the kingdom of God is like. Brothers and sisters, we we struggle sometimes when we don't see the progress. We struggle when we don't see things happening. We struggle when we see evil seeming to win over and over and over again. But Jesus says, just you hang on a while. Just wait a little while. I am going to cover the, the earth like the waters cover the sea. My kingdom will come. My will will be done. And I will be glorified in the earth. It's coming. 
We need to get this because we live in a microwave, Amazon Prime, I want to get it right now culture in the United States. But as Christians, we need to stand up and be different. We need to be able to believe for the slow work of God even when we can't see it happening. We need to believe that. This morning as I was driving to the church, I I turned on the radio and I heard the story from a mother of her 24-year-old son who was killed by gunfire in Philadelphia. This had happened a few years ago, but she's heading up an organization now. Her son had finished his college degree at the University of Maryland, Eastern Shore. He was an athlete, but he was really given to engineering and sciences. He was a brilliant young man. She said that he he was a young man who she couldn't get him to kill a bug in the house because he didn't want to kill anything. And while he was in, uh, when someone was arguing with him over a parking space, he was shot and killed. Now, that's an extreme example, but we all see examples all of the time. I've seen many just in this last week of angry people because things have not happened exactly the way they want it. And I know I've been that person at times as well. Angry. I want it my way. I want it right now. That's the way it should happen. Amazon Prime needs to give it to me today, tomorrow at the latest. That's the world we live in. But God is calling his church to be people of faith who believe that whether I see it or not, God will bring it to pass. Disciples of Jesus must be different. We can trust the slow work of God. The last piece of this parable has these big branches and the birds of the air perching In the shade. And this is drawn from Ezekiel and Daniel in the prophecy that one day that the kingdom of God will will be so great, it will be like this great tree, and all the nations and all the peoples will gather in that great tree, that, that kingdom of the mighty God. And God will be glorified. There's nothing small about the end of the kingdom of God. As little as it may seem at times, the end is great and marvelous. Let's up here today. I want to pray for us as a people, as a church, that we are all tuning in to what God is saying to us now. I said it before, we can't be nonchalant about how we listen. Be careful how you listen. Or New Living Translation says, pay close attention to what you hear. God is trying to get our attention. Listen, if he hasn't gotten your attention through a global pandemic, I don't know how he's going to get your attention. If he hasn't gotten your attention through racial and political upheaval in our country, I don't know how he's going to get your attention. And if he can't get your attention through the economic and social earthquakes that are happening all around us, I don't know how he'll get your attention. Brothers and sisters, the landscape has changed forever over these last 18 months or so, and you need to hear this, God's right in the middle of it. God's not wondering, how did this happen? What happened? Did you see that? God's right in the middle of it. The landscape is changed, and and everything that could be shaken is being shaken. Every institution is finding where the cracks are, And how do we fix them? And right now, I'm not so uh, 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 concerned about all these other institutions, but I am concerned about the church of the living God. God is speaking to us in this time. How well, how well will we listen? How well are we listening? 
We need to be willing, church, to pay close attention to what God is saying through us, through the mouths of young people who love Jesus but think that the church is an irrelevant thing. We need to hear that. We need to understand that. We need to be a people who recognize that the the, the culture has changed beneath our feet and is becoming more secular, more difficult, that, 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 that some form of Christianity, some cultural Christianity won't carry any weight anymore. It won't carry any sway anymore and that that is actually a good thing. Because we don't need a veneer of cultural Christianity. We need the power of God through the Holy Spirit and the Word and the triune God. It's time to listen. Closer than ever, Jesus said, the closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given and you will receive even more. I'm going to pray. I know I've been a little bit long today. But I'm going to pray. And I would invite you to join with me in prayer. If you're hungry today to hear God closely, if you're hungry today, you, you, you want to feel the beating heart of God, the breath of God, I just want you to stand up right where you are as I get ready to pray. If you know that you haven't been hearing God nearly as well as you'd like to, and you have a passion and a hunger to hear Him more clearly in days to come, I want you to stand up as I prepare to pray. Brothers and sisters, the stakes are so high. We need to hear from the living God. Your life depends on it. And lives all around you depend on it. God will do what he said he would do. Let's listen for his voice. Let me pray. Father, you know how easy it is for every one of us to get distracted. You know how we can get so absorbed in our little world that we forget the kingdom of God. Oh God, I pray that you will give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to your church in these days. And Lord, we pray that we will be effective both individually but also corporately as a witness to the one true God as our culture is becoming secularized, as cultural Christianity has no more power, no gravitas, no sway. Lord God, we pray that the real thing, the real Holy Ghost-inspired Word of God will make the difference as we walk that out. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to your church. Lord, glorify your name in all these ways, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Let's worship the Lord together. We hope that you've been blessed today by the preaching of God's Word. Join us every week for fresh insights on the New Life Philly podcast. If you would like to reach out to our church for more information, or if there's some way we can pray for you, please visit newlifephilly.net or email newlife at newlifephilly.net. May the Lord richly bless you this week.